0: Big topics, big ideas, and practical policy solutions. This is Leaders on the Frontier with your host, David Leese. Did you know that affordable energy, specifically fossil fuels, is foundational to our way of life as Canadians? Well, it is. When you think of it, from the gas pump to the grocery store, everything is really ultimately interrelated to the cost of energy, specifically fossil fuels. Oil, natural gas, to be specific. So we want to talk today about the state of energy and fossil fuels in Canada and around the world. We want to look at, frankly, the war that is against fossil fuels uh, today. And with me here today to talk about this incredibly important topic is our guest, Mr. uh, Gwen Morgan, who is the former CEO of Ancana. Gwen Morgan devoted three decades to building North America's leading and Canada corporation into Canada's largest energy company. It's really a remarkable story. And Gwen has served as a director for many global corporations, including the London-based uh, Hong Kong uh, Bank, the world's largest global bank. He's also been recognized as Canada's leading CEO of the year. And uh, so it's really quite an honor to have you, Gwen, join us. So a warm welcome to you. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Gwen, I um, am just uh, very excited about our far reaching discussion. We're going to talk a lot about uh, energy. So on that note, I want to ask you as a as a layperson here, why is energy, um, specifically fossil fuels, so important to our day to day lives? Is there a way to kind of answer that that pointed question?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting when you think about the history of fossil fuels. I mean, the the Industrial Revolution, the one that created uh, all of the, basically all of the advances in the in the nineteenth century, uh, were based upon coal, and mostly of that in 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 uh, England, all the great machines, everything mm-hmm. else was coal based. Um, and but interestingly enough, then the only, the only place that we could get liquid fuels was from the at that time was from the uh, the whaling industry, and it was uh, most people don't understand that that uh, the whaling industry stopped when oils was discovered in Pennsylvania.
0: The yeah, first, amazing.
1: The first liquid fuels became available, and we didn't need whales. So, first thing that fossil fuels did was save the whales. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a bit, a bit of an off you know, kind of diversion. But, but anyway, that, that's, so, so but, the, but ever since then, it's been clear. Then we've, we went nuts, we had liquid fuels, uh, and then eventually natural, natural gas. Um, there, was, there was sort of a hierarchy of fuels and the most, uh, today, the most ones with the highest emissions, of course, are coal. Um, oil is is number two. Natural gas is is by far the number three in terms of that, but they're all important and they all have their own role. And they uh-huh. all they all can't do the same thing. So uh, I guess you could say that oil and, and natural gas could do everything that coal could, but but uh, but coal and natural gas are, have different ro- roles.
0: Fossil fuels is, is really important. And there's no perfect energy source. You'd, you'd say that, right? Like there's always pros and cons that you have to take into account. But in case of fossil fuels, there's incredible advantages that we can manage. Is that basically what you'd say? Well, I wouldn't say just that. they're, they're, they're ex- as extensional.
1: You can't do without them, period. We have no other mm-hmm. way these days of, of delivering uh, what liquids fuels can deliver to our way of life. And no other way of delivering what natural gas can, can deliver. We don't have any alternatives. Yeah. There never has been. And so, um, as I pointed out in looking at a bit of a history of, the, of energy supply in the world of different types, we just don't have anything else. And, and our whole way of life, and not only in the West and in, in the developed countries, but the undeveloped countries, uh, their biggest problem isn't, you know, is they don't have enough fuel. Right. And, and um, so the, the only countries that have a standard of living that we consider to be anywhere near acceptable are the ones that are able to access fossil fuels.
0: Okay. So why is it that there is, and we could go through this for quite some time, a whole host of policies both in Canada and around the world <clears throat> that are systematically taking a war on this industry. They're trying to shut it down. And in fact, uh, you have in Canada, the uh, revelations, we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment, but the so-called just transition, moving systematically away from quote, oil and gas industry to something else. Like you talk about layoffs of hundreds of thousands of of, um, of workers in, in every industry that's related to this. So why are we undertaking this war?
1: Well, you know, this is a very Canadian thing you're talking about because, um, while there, even you know, let me back up a bit on that. for let me come back to that a little bit later. I think I think that the uh, the big revelation that's that started with the Ukrainian war, um, and is now continuing in, in in various other ways, is that you know Germany demonstrated that you couldn't get by with with wind and solar power. They shut down. Mm -hmm. zero emission nuclear plants and that wasn't because of emissions that was because of a a sort of an environmental religion about you know somehow we don't want any for years it's been we don't want any uh, emissions from fossil fuels but we also want to shut down the only source the only source of zero emission highly reliable energy so when you try to figure that out It it leads you to try to understand the rest of it. The rest of it is that there's the realistic. There's no the realism, and and the and the facts and the physics don't matter. You know, it's it's. I'm by the way, not I'm not anti-religious, but I use that term. Yes, right. Believe in something. You know, the old thing is. I remember the the great uh, Christmas um, story. About when the train goes to the Arctic, and Tom Hanks was great in it. But, but at, the, at the very end of it, the Polar Express, so it was called, at the very, very end, when a little kid gets off the train and he goes back, he, this is like his dream. He's going back to his house and climbing in the window, parent. And, and um, at the very end, it, it said, You can only, all you really have to do, anything is possible if you only believe. And so a lot of the people seem to be like that little kid, you know, it's all possible if you only believe, even though in the real world, in the daylight, when you're out of bed,
0: it's not. Wow. So there's almost this, um, bizarre disconnect between people that are advocating with, I I presume good intentions, trying to protect the environment. We, We care deeply about it, but, how do we also ground our feet uh, on the reality that we are dependent on fossil fuels? And so how do we, how do we um, move forward in our society and, and uh, quite frankly, do that industry well? And, and it, because in Canada, you'd have to say that the Canadian fossil fuel industry is really quite extraordinary. Um, I've figured this out, I believe, Through my conversations with people actually in other countries believe it or not where they would comment regularly on how advanced our industry is and i I suspect a lot of canadians aren't aware of that would you say that's a fair comment
1: well you know when you when you're against something it doesn't matter how advanced it is or how good it is but you know i think that, that i want to come back to canada a little later because that's of course what we want to focus on but but I guess what I'm what I'm getting wanted to get to was that that the this whole result of the Ukrainian war uh, it it's, it wasn't that the war itself caused this but it wasn't long afterwards when it became evident when we when we needed more oil than, than because of reduction of of supplies from Russia. Because of sanctions, um, we discovered that there wasn't enough, and so the oil price rocketed because it was so much on a knife edge. And so it turns out that uh, people didn't realize that while we're doing all this stuff about cutting back on fossil fuels and oil, each year the world demand for oil has been going up by by a million to two million barrels a day.
0: And it's still sure. going up. Can you repeat the, that, so the, the demand for this product is high, more higher than like record levels. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it's good. It, well, it
1: is, it is, but the, the international energy agency who's pretty neutral on this stuff. say it's going to keep going up. They say, we're going to be getting, keep adding another million barrels a day of demand continuously for the next several years.
0: And so where's a lot well, of that so, demand
1: coming from Glenn? Well, so here's the point. Uh, what, 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 but but when when the uh, when we started to put sanctions around Russia and reduce their oil supply, we discovered that there wasn't enough oil without their oil. So in other words, Russia was, was has become the swing producer for oil supply in the world, and that's a revelation that most people didn't have any clue about, including myself, by the way. So, so now we have uh, reality is that we need Russian oil and and that's OPEC is already wide open they're looking at doing some more drilling and trying with Europe but they had they just were wide open so here we had a situation where um, and have a situation where Putin controls is the swing they're one of the major the major members of what's called OPEC plus which is original OPEC plus a few others and they they have uh, had become come the swing producer in other words if they and, and therefore uh, they control the world oil price and then here we had and I'll just carry on with this for a bit because it's a bit of a these are connected I- items um, here we have China uh, which is saying that they're going to—they're the by far, by far, by far the highest emitting emissions country in the world. But President Xi says, "Oh well, you know, we're going to—we're going to cut back and and we're going to reduce our our coal demand and 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 we're going to be on the on that—you know—we go to the COP meetings. We're going to be really cutting back. And, and meanwhile, he's got two hundred coal plants." Coal-fired plants under construction today. Two hundred
0: coal. Two hundred, and they're
1: already producing like sixty to seventy percent of world emissions. So um, this is a this is a game of bait and switch with these guys. So what we then have here is a situation. Let me go further to this. Um, Picture this. Now you got China, whose every 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 item they produce is. Much more intensive, energy intensive, emissions intensive than in North America or Europe, the developed countries. Much more. And yet, uh, what are we doing? We're 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 putting we're putting uh, both in Canada and elsewhere. We're putting taxes on on, on our emissions on our on our use of fossil fuels. We're uh, uh, having uh, you know besides. you know, the, the direct carbon taxes. We're, we're implementing other things that make it awfully difficult to uh, to uh, to basically manufacture anything here. In fact, it's gotten to the point where virtually none of our main manufacturers, or almost none, can compete with what's being produced by by Z's China. So here we are, uh, reducing. Basically killing our, our industries that consume fossil fuels here in a much more efficient and less emissions-intensive way, and handing the market to for that those same manufactured goods to China. So here's, here's the sort of summary of this theme I'm on right now, and I'll move on to other what else you go to, That who could have ever believed that the that the whole, whole attempt to bring the West off fossil fuels as a result of the following. It resulted in once a despot being control of the oil market, and another despot being in charge of virtually all our manufactured goods, and killing our own ability and our jobs to manufacture here. Yeah. That's that's the legacy of the green movement, and it's it, it's it, I'm not saying we, you know I'm not happy about this obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a reality that people don't seem to want to face that we've we've empowered Putin and Z, two despots to be dependent on them and killing our jobs and 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 our industry industry here.
0: Wow. So the irony is that the green movement, uh, regardless of whether you think they have good intentions or not, has um, ended up pursuing. Uh, the death of, a, of a, a fossil fuel industry that's critical to our way of life. Um, and right now we don't have, a, a frankly, a viable alternative, despite what Greta Thunberg might say. But we, we've, what you're saying, Gwen, is that you've, we've empowered um, really uh, foreign adversaries, namely China and uh, Russia. And we can't manufacture as many things here because we're doing that. Is that right? Well, not only have we done that, but in the case of China,
1: uh, what what every everything we buy from them because we can't afford to produce it here has probably two to three times as much emissions intensity mm-hmm. as the same product if it were manufactured at home. So, but that's reality, and, and 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 we've created that the green movement and all of this stuff. And when I write columns about you know about this, and they all say I'm a the old oil and gas guy, I don't care about anything else. I care about everything else. Mm-hmm. But I also care about facts and information.
0: Exactly. And I
1: mean, we've got China empowered to have us by the short hairs, if I could put it that way. And and we're buying stuff because we can't do it at home that, that produces a hell of a lot more energy and we're shutting our own manufacturers down who could do it at much more efficiently and more environmentally sensitive.
0: Yep. That's the reality. So just to, to illustrate that reality a little bit more, is it correct that um, China and, uh, dare I say, um, India, let alone Russia, I believe, they're not signatories to all these, quote, ambitious uh, environmental agreements that you see all these people flying into with their private jets to Scotland and, and other locations. Uh, they're not signatories to uh, to those agreements, are they, Gwen? No, no. China's goes, China goes to COP26. Russia
1: goes to COP twenty six, COP twenty seven, all the COP meetings. They all make. I mean, they go there and they say. That's what I said earlier. Z went to send his guys there, and there's people there, and they made great promises. And how they're going to cut everything back.
0: Well, but, they but they're home. not signed on to they, the agreement. They fly
1: agreement. home and start building more power, more coal-fired plants. So they're there. <laughs> but it was interesting. So, in the last one of the last COP meetings. Um, they they had a resolution that this is the conference of the parties. By the way, uh, for the for for global warming, but they had uh, one of one of their uh, uh, people who came there and said, "Well, you know, we, we we're going to do all this," but then they presented a resolution to phase out fossil fuels over the next twenty years, and China wouldn't sign it, so so they they couldn't pass it. So, it, but anyway, it's, it's, they go, but it's all, it's all, uh, window
0: dressing. Okay. So I do want to recap a little bit then incisively the state of Canadian energy. So if we had to summarize it up, the energy scene, seen, well, because the demand for fossil fuels is so high and, and getting higher every year, how would you describe the state of Canadian energy in a nutshell now?
1: Uh, we have the third largest, uh, well, the third largest oil reserves in the world. We have incredible, incredibly large, um, falling resources of natural gas. And our natural gas, by the way, is is uh, is produced in such a environmentally sensitive, clean way. And uh, we, but we can't get just like oil. We can't get oil on a pipeline built because every time we. Uh, try the, the U.S. Uh, the federal government to sort of make sure it doesn't happen one way or another, and, and uh, we we have the, such in, in arduous uh, regulations and procedures for anything like building pipeline, a gas pipeline to tidewater and building a LNG plant that that we're trying to get it out of the country the one we have right now started twenty fifteen years ago and we're just getting finished with it right now so
0: now which one is that the uh, trans mountain project
1: yeah that's the canada uh lng canada which has got uh, uh mostly a shell and others in it mm-hmm. so so we've we've i mean there was 19 other projects by the way but they all couldn't make it because of procedures combination
0: Sorry, You said, well, let's just hold on for a sec we want to bury that headline Nineteen projects were yeah. under consideration. I think people would be shocked to hear that. Yeah, Nineteen, 19 they, pipeline projects they, they, to the the West Coast,
1: but they never made it because they the people just gave up because of the procedures we couldn't. There was a comedy. The, the, the regulatory procedures, uh, the bureaucracy, the sort of general sort of in the background anti-fossil fuel. Uh, there was a. a combination of that and, and, of course, the Aboriginal, in some cases, Aboriginal objections and the whole, whole combination of things is a sort of a toxic soup for getting anything done in this country.
0: Okay, so part of the reality is that the demand for fossil fuels has never been higher, continues to climb, and yet Canada can't seem to get things done because of the regulatory state of affairs and, yeah, uh, and you know, interesting,
1: uh, natural gas is, is so it, it, what's really interesting about natural gas is that there if if we were if if there if the natural gas market in the world was fully supplied all in all its need um, it, it would actually in, in a lot of ways we'd be able to, we'd be able to replace uh, liquid fuels and there's nothing more no more of, nothing more we can do realistically instead of these sort of pipe dreams that, that people have uh, than to increase the use of natural gas. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I t- tell people the story about uh, when we started our company way back in 75 and I had these, uh, we were drilling all these wells and the, they were small production but but uh, continued, they were had good sustainability. Um, and my uh, the trucks we, we had the field trucks all the field operators that drive around the field and service these wells um, ran on natural gas in 1976. Wow! And all they had to do they, had, they also had uh, uh, gasoline tanks of course, and when the pressure in the in the gas tank went down, they just turned over switched in the inside the cab. And the engine kept running on, 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 on gasoline. So the, the, the idea of, of gas fueled, natural gas fueled automobiles goes back. Uh, we were doing it in 1976.
0: Isn't that great history?
1: Because of those the internal combustion engines don't care which it is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, gasoline cars. And so this is a huge uh, opportunity. To, rather than trying to spend money on battery cars and and all the toxic uh, mining and stuff associated with it and the cost, uh, we could we could make a lot of um, uh, things by, of course, easing the shortage of, of of oil and and increasing the demand for natural gas in the cleanest oh. fuel areas.
0: So, if you were to look at um, the state of Canada's energy then, and all these policies that are designed to undermine okay. it and Put people to to uh, you know, frankly, put them uh, to be unemployed. Um, what? How's the industry responding? Like, what's going on now? As uh, as you look at the field, how is the industry responding in Canada to all this, frankly, war that it's experiencing?
1: Well, you know what's really interesting about this whole situation is that it's unique to Canada. Nobody else has got the environmental extremism that the Trudeau government has. Nobody, no other country. The most of them have realized, including Europe, huh. which were on a, a triv- previously different page, have realized that we need to have
0: fields and fields. Sorry, we need Canada to... is a loner on this front? Like we're, we're all we're this self inflicted pain? We're
1: the, we're the only ones that are have, have not got haven't realized that we can't get by without fossil fuels. Uh, Europe was the last one to realize that, but they got a huge, very difficult lesson. And so, and and the U.S. Uh, you know, they have they have their emissions controls, but the natural gas production and exports in the U.S. has skyrocketed because there's a market there.
0: Because it's and, never uh, been higher, right? Again, yes, it's never, never been higher. higher.
1: So, so the, the the only country that is. Uh, Philosophically, or whatever you want to use the term, opposed and uh, not being realistic about the future of, of, of
0: yeah.
1: f- fuels and and the impossibility of wind and solar supplying everything, which is ironic because one of the coldest countries in the world, um, is is the uh, Trudeau government. So it's it's a unique thing, um, but there, it's like. Um, it's like they just don't hear, it, it doesn't matter. We are going to, you know, you talked about this earlier, but we're going to take oil and gas industry people and retrain them,
0: mm-hmm. retrain them. That's the, just, the just transition.
1: Yeah, but you know what that sounds like? It sounds like something you would have expected out of communist China under Z. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, really, I'm not being exaggerating. When you tell people, who are producing something that they're good at it and it's their career and it's their job and it's their future and there's whole mm-hmm. world. Well they're families. They're going to stop you from doing that. Mm-hmm. And one of them one of the things that came out of the Trudeau was, you know, something to do. you know, there's lots of good janitorial jobs. And 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 it's it's so astounding that this could be happening in our country. And what's even more astounding is that Canadians don't seem to understand it. This just transition. If you went to Ontario and told we're going to have a just transition for the auto industry, we're Mm -hmm. going to take everybody that engineers and, and designs and produces the the auto cars and retrain you. We're going to, what would happen? Well, you know what would happen. Mm-hmm. But it's happening today. At least it's been proposed.
0: Well, thank you so much, uh, Gwen, and all the very best to you and your family. Well, and thank you to all of you who've joined us, as that uh, brings to a close our discussion with uh, Gwen Morgan about the state of energy in Canada and the world. We want to uh, welcome your feedback and your comments, and we uh, certainly invite you to continue to be involved in Frontier. Be sure to check out our website at www.fcpp.org. And sign up for our newsletter. Thank you for watching Leaders on the Frontier. We're a nonpartisan think tank. We explore ideas, policy, and practical solutions that can make a difference in the lives of Canadians. We do not accept any government funding. We work for you. Thank you for supporting Frontier.
1: Visit FCPP.org to give. While you're there, be sure to check out our latest articles and research. Without open discussion and debate, you're not thinking, nor are you free.
0: Comment below. We'd love for you to join the conversation.